0: You're tuned into DK Mag Podcast. Online source for horror, thriller and sci-fi entertainment news.
1: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. You're listening to DK Mag Podcast, Season 7, Episode 8. My name is Ken Artus founder and your host for the next 90 minutes plus you can catch dk mag podcasts across all podcast platforms which include google music itunes spotify stitcher and tune in you could also catch dk mag on social media platforms twitter facebook instagram pinterest and of course, do visit our website, DKMag, D E C A Y M A G dot com. We are DKMag, not DK Magazine, or the word DK or the letter DK, DKMag. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing the latest news on horror films, which includes scary stories to tell in the dark film adaptation new project in the works from Ale Andre Aha and San Remy. Of course, Tales from the Hood the sequel is in development and of course Bloomhouse has another film in the works, a sequel to the popular Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day 2. Also in our podcast we have an exclusive interview, This is our second interview that we have had. He is a returning guest and we're going to be speaking about his upcoming short film, which will be hitting film festivals in the 2018 calendar year. We're speaking about none other than stuntman slash actor, Jimmy Dempster. And we spoke with Jimmy Dempster. Back in DK Mag Podcast Season 5, Episode 9, in which he was joined by actress Jessica Sonborn. And we were discussing, at the time, the slasher film One Night of Fear, which you could also read the review to that film on DKMag.com. But as I said, we're going to be discussing The Box. Very creepy psychological thriller horror set to release on film festivals and do catch our film review for the box we have some interesting things to say about this upcoming film and we have an equally interesting conversation on career in horror and acting and of course we're going to be speaking about the box and we'll be concluding our podcasts with our trademark trailer first impressions don't miss it and without further ado this is DK Mag Podcast Season 7 Episode 8
0: Segment 1 Movie News Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark Feature Film Development.
1: One of my favorite horror novels as a wee young lad I used to read this book many times over in the library was scary stories to tell in the dark this is an anthology book that contains some truly creepy stories scary stories indeed especially when you are a young reader and the illustrations itself in the book Although the book has had revisions over the years, the original, the 1981 release published, uh, those illustrations are too truly creepy. And some of them, mind you, are worthy of being some awesome tattoos. But anyway, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was followed up with more scary stories to tell in the dark that was released in 1984 and Scary Stories 3 More Tales to Chill Your Bones that was released in 1991. But it's the first release, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark that truly gripped young readers, young horror enthusiasts, young horror aficionados such as myself, I'm telling you those tales are really creepy. But anyway there were some rumors floating around that a film adaptation to this novel to this anthology book was in the works so now we are confirmed we have a director and it is none other than guillermo del toro yes guillermo del toro he is going to put the book to film adaptation too scary stories to tell in the dark so what will this book be about being that the book is an anthology series it's a collection of short stories what story in particular would be the focal point to the synopsis well according to deadline which broke this news the scary stories to tell in the dark film will follow a group of young teens who must solve the mystery surrounding sudden and macabre deaths in their small town. Sounds intriguing, but I'm so curious to know how will these stories fall into play into this novel? Will this film also fall into the same bad narrative that Goosebumps did Goosebumps the young children's book television series was made into a film but it, it felt rushed in my opinion all the characters from these collection of novels were squeezed into a 90 minute film which didn't play well with some audiences especially those who grew up watching Goosebumps. Well I love scary stories to tell in the dark and it would be a travesty if this film seems rushed or the collection of novels are squeezed into a 90 minute film. So we just gotta have to wait and see but here are some quotes for this upcoming film And the first one is from Steve Bertram, E1's president, film, television, and digital. He said the following, quote, the film led by the incomparable Guillermo del Toro is such a chilling, fun ride that it's sure to leave audiences around the world jumping in their seats. We're thrilled to be joining Terry Press and her team at CBS Films, Andre Overdahl and the talented group they've assembled and look forward to launching in hands throughout our partners at Sierra Affinity, unquote. Well, there you have it. The film adaptation for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark E1 will be distributing the film in Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand, Germany, Benelux, Spain, Austria, and Switzerland. They'll be partnering, of course, with Sierra Affinity with overseas sales. Filming will begin this summer in Toronto, Ontario, and CBS Films would distribute. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark in the United States via Lionsgate Films. So stay tuned. Trailers, cast announcements, so on and so forth will be available within the months to come. And stay tuned to DK Mag. We'll be following up with this update, with this film adaptation of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark.
0: Alexander Rajar, Sam Raimi to create horror thriller crawl.
1: Alejandre Aja's first film, High Tension, is a stellar addition to the French extremism horror subgenre. Other films that Aja has directed is the reboot to Wes Craven's 1977 cult film The Hills Have Eyes. Other, less Stellar films Aha has directed is the creature feature Piranha 3D. Of course, everyone who is a hardcore film enthusiast, horror film enthusiast there it is. even if you're not hardcore casual viewers, you know who Sam Remy is. He the brains, what well, part of the brains behind the evil dead franchise among other films such as spider-man well you have sam or me and you have alejandria teaming up for paramount's next horror film titled brawl brawl here is a brief overview of what this film is about According to The Hollywood Reporter, Praw centers on a young woman who, while struggling to save her father during a Category 5 hurricane, finds herself trapped inside a flooding house and fighting for her life against Florida's most savage and feared predators. The original script was written by Sean and Michael Russellman, but Alejandro Aja wrote most of the draft of the script, and production is underway. Well, pre-production, that is. It's going to be interesting to see how these narratives are going to come into play for the film. Raw, we have man versus beast or man versus nature and man versus nature full full force here with the category 5 hurricane man versus nature man versus beast two distinct narratives for novels or na- or narratives in film it's gonna be interesting especially Alejandro's Aha's vision he has a certain way of conveying horror thriller and if It's anything similar to what he has presented in High Tension or The Hills Have Eyes. We are in for a visual treat. Aha tends to go for the raw emotion with violence, and everything is artistic. The camera angles is wow, it's amazing stuff. If you haven't checked Aha's workout, do see high tension start with that one and then go with the hills have eyes and you know what i'm talking about and of course sam raimi he has a creative style for filmmaking which includes adding a bit of humor with the depth of field and the dolly shots Uh, these are trademark filming techniques that he's employed over the years but it's much more evident in the evil dead series especially ash versus evil dead which also borrows from the original film that technique and in in camera work so i am definitely interested to see how alejandre aja and sam ramie work together in composing this interesting take on thriller with man versus nature, man versus beast, a woman saving her father during a hurricane and fighting off predators. We all know what the predators are, alligators. So in a way we're seeing another creature feature film. And if that's the case, I just hope that the CGI element for the creature or creatures does not take away from the production value. Let's see if they opt for, well I highly doubt it, but let's see if they opt for practical effects over CGI for these creatures. In any event, we just gotta have to wait for more news, trailers, stills, cast developments. It's gonna be upcoming in these next few months, next few weeks. Paramount is really pushing this film at a faster pace, nor, faster than usual because they're riding on the success of A Quiet Place, which earned $148.5 million domestically and $87 million overseas. The film, A Quiet Place, was made for $17 million. So that's a huge profit. So Paramount is no stranger to dishing out low-budget horror for big profits. They, they're following in the footsteps of Bloomhouse. So with that said, let's see if Brawl has the small but effective budget to bring the terrors to life and let's see if audiences do enjoy this film. It's been a while we haven't seen a creature feature film hit cinemas. Uh, the indie circuit is ripe with this type of narrative, but it's very rare. I, I don't recall the last creature feature film to really have an impact on audiences. Hmm. In any event, any it. it's Sam Remy. It's Alan Aha. Even if you don't uh, know or are unfamiliar with Aha's work, you're familiar with Sam Remy's work. So I'm looking forward to this. Are you looking forward to this?
0: Keith David replaces Clarence Williams the Third in Tales from the Hood 2.
1: Tales from the Hood released in 1905. This horror anthology film was written by Rusty Cundeef and Darian Scott. Rusty Cundeef also served as director. The synopsis for this horror anthology series reads as follows. A funeral director tells four strange tales of horror. With an African-American focus to three drug dealers he traps in his place of business. Tales from the Hood, this 1 hour 40 minute film is a cult classic and one of the rare films that emphasizes African-American actors, culture so on and so forth in horror cinema a rare gem i for one i've only seen well yes i have seen the film but i don't remember the film so much only bits and pieces i i know that the special effects were kind of cheesy but at the time they were awesome and tales from the hood is getting a sequel the cast developments is underway and the iconic role of mr sims the funeral director he was portrayed by clarence williams the third well unfortunately clarence williams will not be returning to reprise his role so don't fret there's a replacement and filming is already on the way. Replacing parents William III is none other than actor Keith David. Keith David is well-renowned in sci-fi, horror, thrillers. He has starred in so many films and voiceovers. Many may not know, but Keith David, he starred in They Live... Also, Armageddon, The Thing, provided voiceovers for Marvel's New Warriors. Ah, He has an extensive list, 287 acting credits. Most would know him from They Live and The Thing. And also Pitch Black. Yeah, he was in Pitch Black as well. But in any event, Keith David, he posted an image on his Facebook account. And the caption reads as follows, quote, I just got back from New Orleans, where I shot my latest film. Here is the picture for my seance scene. Time to turn down the lights and turn up the scares, unquote. Keith David follows that caption with the hashtag, tales from the hood 2. Well, you can find the progression of this film across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram for Tales from the Hood 2. The filming is underway, production is underway, principal photography is underway. So we should expect Tales from the Hood to release perhaps in the later portion of 2018, if not by the mid-portion of 2019. I have to catch up on the original film. As I stated I have seen the film I just don't remember certain storylines off the top of my head. But I do know that it's worth a watch. You just have to sit and absorb. If you appreciate old school anthology films do give that a watch. And anthology films in general are making a comeback. Filmmakers are embracing this new craft. These morsels of the stories that wrap up into one big narrative, one central core theme. It's interesting. And I appreciate films in horror cinema, sci-fi cinema that emphasizes the cast, African-American, Asian, Latinos. We are huge contributors to the genres, to these genres. And it's about time that all the talents, the diverse the diversity, everyone, the actors, producers, writers, come together, make a film, be you know, present diversity in their cast. Focus. You know, we're living in a time that it shouldn't be a horror film or sci fi film where the lead protagonist or the lead antagonist is caucasian where this is not the 1950s or 60s anymore wake up people in hollywood and also in the indie scene the movement is slow gradual which shouldn't be the case in the 21st century but in any event do catch the updates for tales from the hood Two. Will be also providing the trailer once it becomes available once it's released online from the production studio or production team themselves.
0: Happy Death Day to cast development.
1: I've always said this that Bloomhouse does not know nothing about horror cinema. What the production company and Jason Bloom are well versed in is business one-on-one create a product with minimal investment and take that product for a big return in profit margin that is business one-on-one that's like going to a garage sale or going to craigslist getting something close to nothing and flipping it for thousands of dollars. There are countless other platforms such as comic books and the sneaker scene, for example. You buy the sneakers for $200, you sell them on eBay for double the price. Business 101. Now, examining the horror content that Bloomhouse has released over the years, R5050 for the casual viewer the content will definitely it would please the audiences, but for the majority of art connoisseurs out there, most of the trash, <coughs> excuse me, most of the garbage, excuse me again, most of the films Bloomhouse has released are not up to par with good visual narratives, good storyline, or good fucking anything. Uh, there's only so much that you could do when you keep regurgitating the same concept found footage concept over and over again or regurgitating the same plot over and over again that horror enthusiasts have seen countless times and it's it perplexing is mind boggling. And it all falls down to the trailer. The trailers are a lure for audiences who see this buy their movie ticket go to the movies and they walk out disappointed believe you me when we used to go to screenings uh whew, perhaps every day of the week for a whole entire year many of these films that we have obtained screener tickets for were for films released by Blumhouse, and let me tell you the audiences would walk out the theater and Rejoice that they did not have to pay for their movie tickets to watch that particular film. So it's not just an opinion of my own. If you just go to imdb.com and you check out the latest film to release for Blumhouse. Happy Death Day. The popularity is 515 And it's down 126 points. I haven't even gone to Rotten Tomatoes, but INDB would suffice in this example. The film production budget was $4.8 million. The domestic return was $55,683,845. The foreign market Sixty-six million nine hundred and fifty-four million thirty-three dollars for a total of a hundred and twenty-two million six hundred and thirty-seven thousand eight hundred and seventy-eight dollars U.S. Compare that to the production budget of four point eight million. It is no surprise that Bloomhouse is quickly making a sequel to this film regardless if the content was garbage or not what hollywood wants and the investors want are the return the big budget return to fill their pockets they don't give two shits about if the plot of the film the acting cinematography looks stellar all they are interested is a profit return so What do we have here? If you haven't seen Happy Death Day, which I haven't, thank goodness. It is a PG-13 movie running 1 hour 35 minutes. It is a horror mystery thriller and it was released on October 2017. The synopsis reads, a college student must relive the day of her murder over and over again in a loop that would end only when she discovers her killer's identity. The film was written by Scott Lobdell and it was directed by Christopher Landon. Jessica Roth stars as Tree Gubman, and Israel Bussard stars as Carter Davis. For the sequel, here are some interesting facts about the sequel. Jessica Roth is reprising her role and so is Israel Buzard. The overall theme of this sequel is the sequel will pick up where the first film left off and it would have a back to the future like style. The film would also answer questions to the first installments endless time loop that is interesting well i can see where they're going with this film they're trying to fill some plot gaps was the first film did it have so many plot gaps to begin with that you have to make a sequel to fill in those gaps and what the hell does a back to the future like style mean does she have a does she stumble upon a delorean the main character Does this car go into the past? Does she have some type of back to the past type of amulet or something? What the hell is going on here? Once you introduce time travel into a narrative, the narratives tend to get convoluted. Take, for example, the Terminator. That did not work out well for that. And X-Men as well, the timeline just got screwed and so many painful ways. Uh, If you enjoy mind-numbing horror cinema or if you're just a horror casual enthusiast that you just like a popcorn movie and you would like spending your hard-earned cash on a film of this caliber go right ahead and check out uh Happy Death Day, the sequel, which is getting into the pre-production mode very quickly at this moment, and filming should begin by the end of 2018. Yeah, that is my two cents plus on this film. If you have seen Happy Death Day, do weigh in your opinions. Did you like it? Did you didn't like it? What was it about this film that you did like or didn't like and are you looking forward to a sequel
0: segment two exclusive interviews actor jimmy
1: dempster actor jimmy dempster has over 30 film credits to his name and The latest film that he is starring in is titled box and although it is not listed on IMDb box will be heading into film festival circulation in the 2018 calendar. This is a short film running 30 minutes in length and it is written and directed by Lee Phong Pan, a thailandese based filmmaker. Box has the synopsis that reads as follows. Box is a psychological horror thriller about a lonely man who has accidentally committed a murder. Panicked and fear-stricken, the man dumps the body and rushes home only to find a large, ominous box waiting on his front doorstep. Box is an intense non-stop thriller that always keeps you guessing and focuses on tension, emotion and atmosphere to tell the story as opposed to cheap jump scares. Do visit DKMag.com for our review for this upcoming film to make it into the film festival circuits for the 2018 calendar box and we'll be speaking with Mr. Dempster about his role his central he this is practically a one man act in this film which Dempster portrays the man the grief-stricken man fear-stricken man in this film titled box we'll also be speaking about horror cinema in general and also acting without further ado here's my interview with mr jimmy Dempster. I'm going to start off with a little introduction. Good afternoon. My name is Ken Artus, founder for DK Mag, and joining me this afternoon is actor Jimmy Dempster. Thank you for joining me, Mr. Dempster.
2: Oh, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Good
1: to hear you again. And absolutely. Yeah, the last time we spoke was in... Nine twenty-five, twenty seventeen. 2017. For oh, this time flies.
2: I know, man. I actually believe, honestly, I thought it was sooner than that. It was uh, for the one night of fear thing with Jessica and I, right?
1: Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that was uh, season five of our podcast, and now we're in season seven, midway point of season seven. Uh-huh. Yeah. Time flies.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, wow, that's cool. watch September, that's nuts.
1: Yeah um uh, so to start off I'd uh, like to have the opportunity for the interviewee to present themselves give a origin backstory so uh the floor is yours
2: oh well okay I appreciate that <laughs> uh my name is Jimmy my name is Jimmy Dempster uh, I'm an actor currently based in Atlanta Georgia um I started to pursue this around 2012 uh, uh, a few friends of mine, I got invited down to a, a screening, or I should say, I got invited to a an audition for a film called Rockabilly Zombie Weekend in Florida over in Orlando. And um, when, I, when I first heard it, I thought it was like a convention, you know what I mean? Like one of those big conventions, like Rockabilly Zombie Weekend. Oh, that sounds so rad. I want to check that out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a buddy of mine goes, oh, no, it's, uh, you know, they're auditioning people to be in the movie. I'm like, oh, I'll go down there. I could be like a zombie or something, you know, huge zombie fan, uh, movie fan. So I went down and when I went in, they, you know, they had a big list and it was, I was completely cold. I had no idea what I was doing. Never auditioned for anything in my life as far as like movies go or theater or none of that. Uh, I walked in and, they were just like, hey, uh, you have to read for so-and-so. And like they gave me, like, a list of three or four different characters that they had wanted me to read for. And I'm like, a read? What's a read? I have no <laughs> idea what's going
0: on.
2: <laughs> so, what are you talking about? They're like, here, just read these, memorize these, you know, lines, these sides. Yeah, at the time, I'm like, sides? What the hell?
1: Oh, I had no goodness. idea what was
2: going on. It was crazy. It was absolute insanity. So, you know. Long story short, I, I went in. I read, which, looking back now, I'm sure probably the worst reads anybody's ever done on film. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Went in, did the reads for the different characters, and uh, uh, you know, you know, hey, it's good. You know, we'll, you know, we'll we'll get back to you this. And the other thing, went home, didn't think anything of it. Uh, like a month or so went by, I got a call from the, the producer, and she asked me if I wanted to be a zombie extra. I said, Hell yeah, that sounds like fun. And That's really where it all started, man. I went down there. We worked all night. It was like through the summer. I worked on that project for like three weeks um, down in Sanford and all over, all over Florida and Orlando, a little bit in there. We just worked all night and I, I got bit because, you know, we were constantly looking at the, uh, we were looking at the, um, everything that was going on, all the people that were, they were bringing in, all the principals. And I'm sitting there watching. I was like, this is fun, but I was like, I was looking at the principals, and I was like, I want to do what they're doing. And I was like, this is cool and all, but I want to, I want to be able to have lines and become a character and, and make something my own. That, that that's kind of what I want to do, and that's where I got bit was on that film. I got the, uh, I got the actor's bug, as they
1: say. had ah, the actor's bug. And from there, uh, reading Whoa. off of INDB, from there, you have over thirty acting credits.
2: Yeah, man. It's just, it's one of those things. It's like when you get bit, uh, you know, you, this, it, that's when I realized oh, this is what I want to do now. And I just kind of dove in head first. Um, I, in Florida at the time, there was a lot going on. It was, um, it was like back in like 2012, early 2013. There was, I opened the door. Um, my eyes were open to a lot of experiences. There was a lot of like, uh, short films and independent films being made. There was still some big high production, uh, films being shot there as well so as i had all this opportunity and i was just like trying to get on everything i possibly could did some commercial work uh, i signed up for the acting classes i did that it was a 12-week course and i was just like this is great it, the only thing the only problem i had with the acting course was uh the, i signed up in like january but the class didn't start till like april or something of that year
0: you okay. know so i had
2: like several months of just kind of like well am i, I going to sit around like what do i do so that's when i started exploring and finding some stuff on my own. So by the time the class started I was a little more prepared and uh I had you know, I had some experience meeting with an agent and, you know, getting some headshots done and the proper way to go about things as opposed to uh, you know, just walking in and not knowing what the heck I'm doing.
1: <laughs> wow, that's interesting. So from there you pursued your your career in acting, so now you're fully one hundred percent or do you have mm-hmm. a uh, the nine to five grind.
2: Yeah, I've been lucky, I guess, um, for lack of a better word. I mean, it's, you know, it's a grind. It's definitely a grind, but I just, you know, I just basically wanted to, yeah, especially early when you're starting out in that first year or two, first couple of years, I was really, really just trying to look for anything I can get my hands on just to get the experience. Cause, um, I've always been a learn by doing guy. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in that, you know, like, you know, you just learn by doing, get in there and, and, and do a sink or swim type of deal. And, uh, but it, it's like before I was even able to hook up with an agent, I uh, had a couple of short films and some commercials and stuff under my belt just to get some footage, you know, cause like I said, when you're starting out, all you want to do is get into something that you know, hopefully gets seen and is hopefully, you know, good, um, Right. And it'll get you recognized and then maybe you can work. On something else and then it took me a couple of years to get to that because in the beginning I was uh, I was still doing the massage therapy out in Florida and I was pursuing this like in my part time and I was like yeah it's a nice little thing maybe I could kind of do it on the weekends and then we were just like I was just getting kind of aggravated and antsy I'm like nah, if I'm going to do this I have to kind of devote 100% to it you know and uh, right around 2015 2016 I started doing it someone it full time
1: amazing um, amazing then,
2: yeah that that's what kind of like a lot of projects picked up for me there and I got some tv gigs some tv shows and I was like oh, I got to get out to Atlanta and just give it a go <laughs> right I'll <laughs> you know, Be- give this thing devote 100% of my attention to it I, after the one night of fear came out and I got some attention from that and some tv shows uh, swamp murders devious maids you know every year things seemed to be bigger and it was progressive so i was like yeah this is this is good i'm going to devote 100 percent to this so
1: absolutely and now atlanta is where it's at right now a lot of productions are are jumping over there
2: oh my god yeah yeah like every other every other project that is happening is, is uh is being shot here it's like i can't walk down the street without people like uh, you see the signs all over the place like the black and yellow signs of production. Production signs, and you see the little uh, home bases being set up all over the place. It's really, really, it's a really fun time to be to be out here, to be involved in that, to see <laughs> that stuff all over the place. But, Which, I mean, uh, and trust me, I'm trying to get on every single one of them. <laughs> oh,
1: of course. Well, I see one, two, three, four, five, six. I see you have like seven projects in post production here in INDB. That's incredible.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. It's just, that's just kind of goes through. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like the more I've done, the more I've actually had the opportunity to do. Um, The last, with the exception of the TV show I just did, the last, I think three or four projects have been, have been call-ups. I've had people call me up and they're like, or contact me, email, uh, hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And they're like, Hey, you know, we're shooting this project. Uh, I saw you in this, you know, I think you'd be, you know, and they either offer me a part or they, uh, they offer me an audition. You know, they want to want me to you know, put myself on tape or, or come in if I can, depending on where they're shooting. And that's so cool because, um, I think that's like really gratifying as an actor where people just say, Hey, I know a guy who'd be good for this. You know, I saw him in that. Let's give him a shot. And it takes a while. To, it, you know, it's, it takes a while to get to that. And I'm still, uh, I'll never be satisfied. I'll still be grinding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, that's the name of the game, especially in the performance, the entertainment field is always, you got to wake up 6am, do what you got to do. And it's, there's no set hours. You got to grind, grind, grind.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, I, I don't, I don't remember the last time I saw sleep. I don't, (laughs) I don't sleep at all. That's me at like three, four in the morning, like constantly networking and reaching out to people and Hey, you know, and vice versa people reach out to you too and you know that's just how it is man you just got to keep going I, I can't I get this thing where it's like if sleep is like a waste of time sometimes I feel it's like if I'm sleeping or if I'm taking a break then you know you kind of, somebody else out there is, is not doing that you know somebody right. else out there is going to swoop something up you know so I don't it, it, ever want to miss out on anything if I exactly,
1: exactly yeah I know what you mean and uh, sometimes my lack of sleep I just pass out but I have my phone right next to me. So I, guess I hear that ding networking time and I start waking up.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. So true. There's, there's nothing worse than for me as an actor that when you're looking uh, all day, you're on actor's access and you're submitting stuff out left and right. And then you refresh your, uh, you, you refresh your browser and you look and they added like one or two more things. Or if I doze off or if I take a, if I leave for a minute and I come back and I miss, I see that they added like, nine or ten more projects that I could submit to,
1: I'm like, oh. Right. Uh, Yeah, I know what you mean. And uh, lucky thing, there's resources such as that for actors to submit or see submissions come in because without that technology at hand, it would just be, I don't even recall how it was done back in the old day, Billboard, I think, one of those magazines you had to check the back, uh, the classified ads. Oh, man, that was difficult.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And that's one of the things I had to learn the hard way too. Um, I, I still got people telling me all the time. They're like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with an agent. Um, I've been with them for about a year and they're not getting me any work. And I'm like, well, dude, uh, I mean, it's not necessarily, you know, it, it's more to Great. You got an agent. That's awesome. But it's like, there's more to it than that. You can't just rely on them because they're getting the stuff that they see and they're submitting you without even knowing it. And, you know, you have to kind of go out there and do your own thing too. You can't just, sit around and like, well, that's almost like putting an application in for a job. Well, they never called me back. So I guess they didn't want me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
2: Hey, right. When you fill out the old paper applications and you drop off an application, I would put my number and stuff on there and I would give them a day. If I didn't hear anything, I would call them back and I would call them back and I would, I'd rather have somebody tell me to go fuck off or kiss, you know, whatever than, You know, than to be ignored or not get a response. I'm going to get a response, (laughs) exactly, (laughs) one way or the other, positive or negative. You will. I will hear from you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good. Hey, that's a good (laughs) way of (laughs) doing it. You know what
2: I mean? I don't care if I tell my wife that. I was like, dude, I don't care if they call me and tell me no. Stop calling. We don't want you. (laughs) Whatever it is, it's like okay, that's good because you know you, you know you, you never know, man. It's so much, so much going on, and there's so much, so many people out there. They all want the job too, you know.
1: Right, right. You don't want to miss that opportunity. And speaking about that, you have worked on so many projects. Uh, The last we spoke was One Night of Fear, but now you have a short film out, a psychological thriller. Describe The Box. How did this character come out to you uh, personality-wise?
2: Oh, yeah. The Box was one of those projects that just... You know, uh, myself, um, Lee Tonkam and Brant Hackney, the DP, we just finished a project and we were all about to kind of get ready to leave Florida. Um, I was getting ready to head to Atlanta and they were all ready to go there. We're all kind of going our separate ways kind of thing um, to pursue other areas. And we wanted to do a project, just the three of us, you know, come together. We'll brainstorm a bit and see what we can come up with just you know with minimal resources and just kind of strip down bare bones um kind of horror thriller suspense drama type thing that we could kind of basically throw all of our favorite genres into one kind of project and see if we could make it fit um without being without being too pretend it's like we we don't want to overdo anything um and what Really, really excited me about it is the character that I play has such an arc, and that really, really spoke to me because a lot of times I don't get to do stuff like that. Um, I don't get to do like a, a suspense or, or or certainly like horror, or like or very thing or action stuff. Like a, a lot of stuff I do, but usually it's like I'm I'm uh, inflicting that on somebody, <laughs> right? I'm either drowning drowning somebody in the bathtub. Or I'm, um, uh, you know, beating the hell out of somebody, or I'm really, really causing somebody a problem. And I love that stuff, but this gave me a chance to kind of go another way, and and show show a little bit of emotion. Like uh, the reviews that are coming in, I'm I'm really, really happy, and I'm I'm really blessed on that because they people kind of who've seen it, they see it for what it is, and they're just like, wow, you know, especially if they've seen some of my other stuff, you know, they comparatively, they're like, wow, that's a nice nice change. And that's exactly what I was hoping for and what we were going for through the whole thing, you know, cause it's, um, I'm, my character is definitely not, uh, he, you know, he's as flawed as he may be, but he has a, a, a crazy backstory and he's, um, he's definitely not really a villain or a, a heavy or, uh, like a major bad guy that I, I play a lot of, you know, play a lot of sick, twisted characters. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, this was an opportunity to to go against that, and you know you're not always not always going to get cast as that, and people see you as they see you, and they want to kind of promote you in a certain way. And this was a chance for me to kind of take it upon myself to go another way with um, with a character. So, yeah,
1: yeah, I understand what you mean, and it's and it's that area that you don't want to be typecast as a as a bad guy. Uh, those those parts are great in itself because you get to do physical things. But in the box, it's just it's, it's a total reversal, psychological thriller, and for most of the film, there is uh you have no voice, so y- your actions speak volumes. So how how did you prepare for something like that? Uh, th- that's truly intriguing in itself.
2: I always make the joke uh, when I've been asked about that. I've always joked with Lee and with other interviewers i say, yeah, the, year, the movie took about a year off my life. <laughs> 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 because th- there was some stuff that we did on that that was just like, be, you know, because you've seen the film. It's like I have to stay in a constant state of suspense and terror and, and almost pretty much throughout, you know, the, the whole duration of the film. It's a 30-minute short or so, somewhere around there, just, or just under the 30-minute mark. But I'm in a constant state of panic and throughout the whole thing. So I always had to keep that up, which uh, was not an easy process to do at all. I was worn the hell out by the time we were done with that.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, I could imagine. Because it, uh, portraying a character such as that with such emotional, deep emotional context, I could imagine after the director says cut, you have to like shake loose that internal mm-hmm. Character that you that you have already reserved just for the shooting of the scenes.
2: Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like because I know that there's you know take two, three, four, whatever. So you don't want to. I when I when I perform, I, I I always tend to try to nail it in the first take. um You're not always going to do that.
0: <clears throat>
2: so I mean, I, I give a hundred. And some people like I've I've worked with people, friends of mine, they'll do like kind of a little bit, maybe fifty percent, almost like a walkthrough. Me, I, I give one hundred and fifty percent, like even in the rehearsal. <laughs> I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I just, I don't know. That's just kind of the way I, I perform. I always like to kind of stay there because if it, if I feel like it's phony or like phoned in or or too big, I get kind of like, eh, you know, that's that's not exactly where I want to go. I want it, I want it to be believable at the same time, you
1: know. Well, absolutely, especially when it comes to the reading, the audition, you want to put your whole. 120%. So that way the casting director would have an idea how your chemistry would go with the other actors.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely, absolutely. And, and f- for the box, you're practically a one-man show. Uh <clears throat> do you see yourself uh committing to such a project in the near future? Do you enjoy doing stuff like that?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, originally, I, originally the, uh, the film was conceived as bigger. I mean, you know, you always, when you're starting off with something like that, you always shoot for the sky and you always have bigger plans. And then reality sets in and, you know, money and time and everything else in between uh, kind of forces you to sometimes uh, turn things down to what the, their essentials are. So we originally planned for a feature film it was promoted as a feature. We, you know, we cut together a teaser looking for stuff like that. And we had some, we had some really good people that were going to be involved, but, uh, it just didn't seem to pan out that we wanted to do a project that was going to be, um, 20, we, we decided to make it a short because we wanted to have it be 25, 30 minutes, whatever it is of just pretty much nonstop suspense as opposed to something that maybe would have been an hour or a little bit over we don't want any filler you know what i mean like yeah we we probably could have got a feature but it's just we we after looking at it several times and trimming stuff away and being realistic with ourselves and the project we we're like nah this this will probably work better as a short you know what i mean because there was a lot of stuff that we didn't necessarily shoot filler we just shot a lot of scenes that were um it was like i said it was originally meant to be more so but uh it works a lot better i think as a short comparatively
1: Right. Yeah. Sometimes uh, when the mm-hmm. ideas are laid out, and I, just as you mentioned, mon- money comes into play, timing, getting everybody together, and then it right. develops. And it develops into a creature on a tool itself. It morphs. And, and now you have this final product, which is, is I think is going to make waves in the mm-hmm. film festival's circuit, which is, is beginning to enter it right now, correct? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, it wrapped. We, it was all ready to go January of this year. And then about shortly after that, about a day or so later, I started submitting to all the, all the festivals that were available. There was a few that we missed um, that we will probably get them this year because a lot of them, a lot of the bigger ones, so to speak, that we wanted to submit to, uh, they come around like around October, November, December. And um, we just missed them by like a, a month or so or a month or two this year. So I it's, I got it sent out to about, I think coming up on 50 award festivals and film festivals and all that stuff so far. So, yeah. and we're just now already starting to get some, uh, like some buzz back already. I'm really surprised. Like, like all the reviews have been positive, uh, as far as that goes. And then they, uh, the, we got selected for some awards. It's a finalist now, semi-finalist, uh, for the, Los Angeles Cinefest, which is at the end of the year, early next year, as a semifinalist, and then it just got selected as a finalist in the um the experimental film category and the horror and drama category for the onero's film awards oh, in Italy, which is
1: insane. <laughs> hey, that, <laughs> congratulations on the that. That's down, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and <clears throat> also when when I seen the movie, when I saw The Box I got a Asian flair with the with the psychological horror element and uh you can only find that with the overseas movies. Uh, Hollywood can't make this shit. They can not even replicate that. Uh how is your interpretation of the visuals of this film?
2: Yeah, that was another thing that we relied heavily on. We knew that it had to be atmospheric and it had to be hopefully interesting to look at. You know what I mean? So we played around a lot with a lot of uh, fog and lighting and <clears throat> just to basically set the tone because l- like you said, it's, um, there's very little dialogue. I think I have like, aside from one scene towards the end, um, throughout the film, it, it really relies on bringing you in of, like storytelling and reaction and, and atmosphere and stuff like that. All those things that I, I love, we just love stuff like that. There's not a lot of movies that, that I've seen lately that really kind of do that. Everybody who just wants to, a lot of movies that come out now, they're all extremely marketable. They got a gimmick. They're exactly 90 minutes, you know what I mean? They come out every Friday and they <laughs> clean up and then they're gone, you know what I mean? It's like, boom, bang, get to the next scare. It's like, blah, blah, you know, there's no story. There's no substance almost, you know?
1: Right. That's unfortunate, especially with Hollywood yeah. horror films. It is about reboots, remakes jump scares the box doesn't have jump scares the box uh, from the opening scene we just want to know what the hell happens to this character by the end of the final frame
2: <laughs> yeah well that's that's the thing i mean we not to say that there's no uh you know was, i'd be lying if i said that we didn't have our share of uh of scares and of you know it's not all build up it's there's definitely a couple payoff scenes in there that we've uh paid homage to some things here and we kind of created something of on our own there as well. And some of the stuff that we've gotten back, the reviews people would tell us or they'd write it and they, they really were like, Whoa, that made me jump. But, you know, we wanted to make sure that they, they felt earned. They weren't forced. Right? You know, there's none of the, none of this cat jumping out of the closet thing or, you know, there's nothing like that. A loud bang or, um, you know what I mean? You open up the medicine cabinet, there's nobody there, you close it, and boom, there's somebody there. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, that's too played I out. That's... Understand that. Like, I understand <laughs> Oh, those cliches drive me insane. And we really, really tried hard to, if the, you know, the scares and jumps and stuff like that have to be earned. They can't just be a sharp noise edited over an image, you know what I mean?
1: Well, absolutely. And uh, definitely strikes a chord. Uh, like I said, I make the reference with uh, Asian film cinema, horror cinema, uh, that's the type of uh, flavor that I got from this from this little project. Uh, congratulations on that! That's a, some amazing work there.
2: Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I owe I all, I all that all to Lee, Lee Tonkum. You know, when you have an Asian director, a Thai director, that's what, that's the flavor you go for, and that's what you get. Only he knows how to. You know, like like you said, like James Wan, all them. They have that certain kind of. I don't know. They got that little something, man, that makes them stand out. You know, Horror is going through a, a crazy thing right now, but. It's good to know that we have people like him to later kind of fall back on. Like I'm always looking forward to the next James Wan James Wan project.
1: <laughs> yeah, save here. And uh, this isn't the first time you've worked with Lee. Uh, just glanced on INDB. This is the, the second project, third project you worked together.
2: Uh, let me see. I think it's the. I think this is the third. We met on a project we did back when uh called Punisher Outbreak.
0: Right. We got yeah.
2: together we got together a little bit before that. I think it was just coming out of full sale. And we met on another project and that project didn't go anywhere. But we became really good friends. We became fast friends and we started hanging out and it was just like, "Hey, you know, I got this idea for a Punisher thing." I'd be like, "Yeah, maybe we could do something with like zombies cuz this is before Walking Dead. This is before zombies were kind of not only big again, but this is before they were like you know, in my opinion, kind of done to death. You know, they weren't everywhere. they weren't everywhere at the time at all. They were hardly really kind of the big resurgence and all that stuff wasn't at the time. So I was like, yeah, we could do something with zombies and a Punisher thing we could do it in the future. It'll be really rad. And we just kind of shot it over the weekend, edited it in, in like two days. And I got a bunch of people together and we went out in um, Florida and shot that and it was really cool. And it was like, yeah, that was fun, man. It was like, And from there it became yeah, we should do a feature. Like, yeah, that sounds cool. Why not? You know, we're trying to get our name out. He's just out of school and, you know, we're trying to do something. Always looking for that gig, you know? Right. And and then that led to a film called the last one, which we shot about a year or so after that, he, I auditioned and he asked me if I wanted to audition for a part. And he was like, yeah, they just had to talk to the investors and they they had to okay it and the producers. I said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do a tape because it would have been the easiest thing in the world for him, I think, to, since he was directing it and helming it to bring me in, right. which would have been really cool. It, you know, it's, you know, uh, you know, who you know is almost everything in this business. Of course. And, uh, and I was like, no, nah, man, I appreciate that. But I, I, let me at least audition. Let me send a tape in. You what I mean, even if it's a possible given, I just want to at least know that I, you know, auditioned and I, you know, I put a, a tape in and, you know, they get to see me right right, so i I did that I did that, and then that led to working with him up in the Blue Ridge Mountains for about a week, uh filming that, and that was we had a great time we, I was able to bring my wife and my oldest daughter and that on that too, uh playing the candle. I think that's actually going to be out that's getting ready for a wide release um I think overseas first and then coming here later on in the year, I think later on in the year this year for sure, as far as i'm'm I'm pretty sure. He told me this year that's going to be coming out, so I'm looking forward to that. That's the major uh, project that we worked on, Ah. Uh, the last one.
1: Oh, cool, cool. And uh, from from here on, uh, what... Oh, before we get into that, uh, from the box, the protagonist, the character that you portray... Mm if it's one thing that he expresses for audiences, what do you think that is most? See, is uh, for my opinion, it is a tale of redemption. What What was your take?
2: Well, that's the beauty of the film, right? Um, it, you know, we've had like ten people, or if you put ten or twenty people in a room and they watch it, <clears throat> um, they'll all pretty and, and they have. You know, everybody will come out pretty much with uh, with their own interpretation. It's pretty cool that way. Um, I've, we've had people come out and they've said one thing and then somebody also say, no, no, it means this. And the fact that, you know, it's kind of open for interpretation is kind of nonchalantly came up with toward the end of like, Hey, we could, if we kind of do this and we go back and we tweak that and then show a little bit of this and take that away, you know, this will make sense more and, and start little cool things like that. And, and also things that we did in editing that I wasn't even aware of until I saw the final product. I was like, Oh my God, that's genius, dude. You're such a genius. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> without giving, obviously without giving any spoilers away, I wish I could, but I can't not till the, not till it's, uh, released, you know, officially, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, without giving anything away for me, it's always been a kind of, uh, yeah, like a redemption kind of type thing, dealing with your past. Uh some things just don't stay buried. Right. Uh, you know, you have to you have to face things. Uh you can only it, it deals with loss, tragedy, um paranoia, fear, obviously. Uh, there's a million different things that people have come to us and they've actually mentioned some things and uh in some reviews about some stuff that we weren't even aware, of. like, oh wow, yeah, you can look at it that way too. Oh wow, that's insane. And I think if you have a project where people walk out and they're all talking, that's always good, and if especially if they all have their own interpretation, because right. it gets them talking,
1: you know. Yeah, especially when it's positive talking. You don't know want people walking out say something otherwise. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> I've seen some projects that have ended, and there's just a few people walking out. The last thing is, as long as they're not walking out going, "Oh, that's bullshit!" You yeah. know, what the hell is that? You
1: know. Right, right, and uh, yeah, that's that's that is so true. It, the, the box is almost Shakespearean in its own form.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of that. It's, it's cool too, man, because the way we mess kind of around with the score and the, you know, there's a lot of artsy kind of art house stuff in there. Like a lot of the festivals that we're getting submitted, uh, picked up from are um, surprisingly not all horror film festivals. I mean, it's, it's definitely rooted in the horror thriller kind of genre, but there's also, I mean, you know, having, you have seen the film, you'd probably agree. There's a lot of people that are coming out. They're like, we're being submitted for our house and and drama and, and like stuff like that. So that's really cool.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So originally when we started it, we wanted to kind of throw a little bit of everything into, into the project, mystery, suspense, horror, all of our favorite genres. Right. And, uh, and with the classical score, the the soundtrack and the little stuff like that, that, uh, that we put together in editing. And branch shots, which I just I, I fell in love with, so many of those shots. I like. I want so many. Uh, there's a couple. of One of them is my screensaver, like the fog <laughs> and, and stuff like that. My screensaver on my phone.
1: <laughs> oh, that that's cool. Brandt's that's cool. Good
2: that's
1: cool. It is good. It's good to help create a film that is multi-genre and I don't know if that's a phrase, I, I'm just saying that, uh, multi-genre, because you don't want to just pigeonhole a production into one particular thing. It, it, just like we discussed, it loses its flavor after a while with the jump scares and stuff like that. So it's always good to yeah. put everything inside of it.
2: Yeah, and that's, that's another thing too, is like, you know, it's very light on blood, there's not, you know, it's not a blood fest, it's not a... We're we're kind of staring away from a lot of the the heavy duty horror like like One Night of Fear is like a blood fest. You yeah, know? That's, yeah, that's perfect for that. But this is uh, different. You know, you know, I, I'm telling people not to go expecting a bloodbath and just kind of just kind of sit back and enjoy the story and you know, see if you could figure it out and tell me what your interpretation of it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, precisely. <coughs> and now. Uh what else do you have in store? Uh, we did, I mentioned that you got some projects in the works here, according to INDB. And it's weird that the box is not on your INDB.
2: Yeah, that should be on there soon. Um, one of the, f- I think once it hits, uh, a couple of the festivals that it was submitted to are IMDB um, affiliated. So once that gets all cleared, it'll be up there.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Uh, they'll, so,
2: they'll put them up there and I'll probably get a notification or something on that. But yeah, that that should be up there soon.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, that's how the thing works. Uh so what other projects you have in the works that you could delve into?
2: Um, I just actually finished two T V series. Um I well, the first one was uh ATL Homicide. There's a new show, new T V series coming out. I think that airs that starts to air I think next month, man. Uh, oh, cool. June did an episode on that. Uh, another show I did was called uh, to catch a killer. I think that's coming out next year. I think that early next year, I think cause they've been, they're going to be filming that. I think throughout most of the year, I'll be ready to go 2019. So that, to catch a killer, I did an episode of that. Um, I just wrapped a feature film with Leo Bancado from a Bronx tale called uh, Fury of the Dragon. It's actually retitled now. It's called The Fury, which okay. is a really crazy action thriller, uh, you know, really just kind of dramatic kind of crime thriller, gritty, gritty kind of action film. Played character in that called The Ghost
1: Killer. Ah, yes, I see it right here. Oh, that sounds interesting. I thought that seems like a martial arts type of film there.
2: Yeah, there's mar- there's definitely martial arts in there, um, but I think one of the reasons for the name change was to kind of kind of get away, get it out of that kind of like Fury of the Dragon. I think um, I think that might have been a, a subtitle for one of the Bruce Lee movies,
1: perhaps. Back, yeah, that's back true. In the day. Yeah,
2: but I think that might be I mean that might be why the uh, producers might have got involved and changed the name for that. But nonetheless, I mean, yeah, they retitled it The Fury. Um, Lilo Brancado is on there. Uh, he's awesome. You know, he's, he's coming back around again, which I, I love. He's a good kid. Um, I'm a huge Bronx Tale fan, so it was cool to kind of see him in that.
1: Cool, cool. And delving into uh, MMA the training. In your Instagram, you post some some shots of yourself training. Is that for sport? Or, if you're a fictionado of the sport, or just getting in training for these rows that you have coming up,
2: that's a little bit of both i've always been I've always been aggressive and I've always been involved in some kind of sport so <laughs> in Florida, one of the things I missed the most about leaving was uh about relocating was leaving American top team. I trained there with the guys for a good four five, about five years Oh wow of my time in Florida. I started with Dean Thomas. Um, I've been up to the coconut Creek school once or twice, and then settled finally in Longwood, because that's about where I was. And I trained Muay Thai, uh, and MMA for a good five years there. And it's just, it helps obviously. Sure. Like with the stunts and with roles and stuff like that, keep that energy up. And also now it's just, I want to be, I want to stay in, in the best shape I can. Yeah, I want to be able to play with my kids and stuff like that without being a sore old man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, age catches up to you. Yes. But it's not a number, it's all how you treat your body.
2: That's it. That's it, man. Yeah, like I said, I'm coming up on 40 in a couple months.
1: <laughs> Whoa. Oh, that's nothing. That's like, that's the new 20s. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Depending on who you talk to, people go, ah, hey, you're a baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah uh, you, you know you, you got yeah you, you got a long ways to go, but yeah that's uh and i mean it's it's fun, man, I like training everybody there is cool, it's no different than American top team. I'm over at tap out fitness now here in Atlanta, and uh there's actually a couple guys there from also from American top team, so
1: uh, I've
2: always, cool. uh, yeah, we, you know we get in the ring and we everybody goes, and they everybody's there to win man they're there to get in shape and learn and it's just martial arts, boxing, wrestling. I mean, I've always been involved in, in something or not, ever since I was a kid. You know, I mean, how could you grow up get you know, Bruce Lee, Van Dam, Chuck Morris?
1: Right, <laughs> so yeah. Long. Those, those were the
2: <laughs> 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 You know, the action heroes and stuff like Seagal. I had no choice but to get involved in some.
1: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I remember those films, and that's 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 what got me into uh, Muay Thai myself. So I was like, oh, I, w- I want to do the split too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, man, want to learn the nine limbs of fury? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, they, they don't teach you that at the school. When you once you start training, say, like, wait a second, this is not what I saw in the movies. <laughs> you actually got to put in the work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Oh, amazing! Yeah, I love it. And. One tip before we conclude with the, with the final question, one tip for aspiring actors out there who uh, such as yourself, just want to jump into the nitty gritty of, of the performing arts. Uh, What is your one advice that you could give to the audience?
2: I would say just never give up, man. Be persistent, you know, try not to be overbearing, just be as aggressive and hungry and always be humble constantly always be humble i can never stress that enough man because all it takes is one person i've done conventions i've met people in the green room and i've done things on both sides of the table and they, you know what i mean I've, all it takes is one person or one bad review or something especially with social media like yeah, i met this guy he's a dick you know and then people <laughs> you know you don't want people to you know to think that you're, you're you're not you know you always be you always be true to yourself and uh as far as getting started the only thing i could recommend is um kind of the way I I did it I kind of did everything probably the hard way I did everything (laughs) I didn't really have anybody to help me out or steer me you know especially early on when I was starting out I didn't have anybody to kind of be like "Uh, you know you want to stay away from that you don't want to do this and you don't want to overexpose yourself and stuff like that but the best way to go about it is um you know get some training and get some footage cut together like uh hopefully short films I mean they're not always paid gigs a lot of them especially starting out you know we're going to do a lot of stuff for nothing um just for the you know the experience and the thankfulness to be there and that's good you want that you want some good footage that you can cut together into a demo and then get some good quality headshots and when you're ready you know you bring it to an agent find one of the top five And out here in Atlanta there's oh my god so many really really good agencies out here now um Get yeah, with hopefully a top five or a top three, depending on where you're at, and just kind of go from there. Yeah,
1: right. And, and never forget the grind. Always do the grind, and it's a daily thing.
2: Always. I, oh my a- God, always. But it's only recently I was actually I hooked up with Instagram. It took me. I was one of the last guys to get a Facebook page back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I think I, hooked, I got on MySpace when everybody was on Facebook, and I was like, oh, I guess I'm part of the day because. I've always just been a kind of meet people in person kind of thing. I've, I'm very personal. I like meeting with people, talking with people and like at the conventions and stuff I get to do. I love that stuff, man. Right. You know, Cause you, not only do you get to meet people and you get to, you get to interact, but you also you get to get yourself out a little bit. Uh, a lot of times they'll give you an interview or a, a panel, you know, you can talk to, and you can just get your name out and you can meet with people. And, but also you get to hear some feedback.
1: Right.
0: And, right.
2: You know, you, people tell you it, that's the coolest thing in the world. Like when people, you don't even know total strangers, they come up to you and they tell you something like, "Ah, I saw you on Devious maids or I saw you on swamp murders, or I saw this movie or I I see you really hustling. People see that and they, they, they believe it, man. So I'm always constantly, constantly uh, networking, grinding. It's it's not like, there's no day off for this at all.
1: No, you see, most people say, ah, uh, uh, Monday or hump day or thank goodness it's Friday. No, every day, including Sunday. <laughs> you have to every day, every day, every day. <laughs> And uh, Every op- day is all <laughs> Exactly. And now open platform, anything you care to add with the upcoming film The Box or anything, your social networking, uh, you could plug in yourself, open platform.
2: Yeah, uh you can find me on Instagram, Real James D. Um, I'm on IMDb of course, imdb.com, Jimmy Dentpool. And box is actually oh man, there's so many things coming in now. I I've I'm kind of like, hesitating on releasing all the uh <laughs> I'm releasing all the festival information and stuff like that because every time I put one up, I got another one that's coming in. <laughs> I'm like, thing. oh you got accepted as a semifinalist and then all this one come in, it's like, oh, it's a finalist. So I'm like it's uh two thousand eighteen should be very interesting for uh for a lot of things. Really, um also like I said, the Fury is gonna be released this year, uh, the two television shows, ATL Homicide and um to Catch a Killer, which I think is actually gonna be January next year, but ATL Homicide airs next month. Um yeah. And it's that's, uh, that's it. So far. I'm on Facebook too, uh, actor Jimmy Dempster. I get on there as often as I can, but I'm mostly on Instagram. I'm on there. I try to post at least once or twice a day.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it's a good resource in itself too. That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Definitely. I love hearing. I love speaking with people.
1: <laughs> and thank you so much for your time. Thank you for uh, this insightful information and. Much congrats and uh, for this upcoming film, the box and the upcoming projects. All the best, man.
2: Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for checking it out. I'm glad you enjoyed it.
0: Segment three: Swamp Thing series in development.
1: James Wan and his team at Atomic Monster will co-produce in association with warner brothers television for the live adaptation the tv series for the dc universe for their upcoming dc branded streaming service this series is titled swamp thing and is based on the dc comic book characters created by len ween and bernie wingston this one hour drama series will follow the tale of swamp thing here is an overview of what we can see the narrative unfolding on this upcoming television upcoming streaming series the drama series would follow cdc researcher abby arcane who returns to her childhood home of Hooner, Louisiana, in order to investigate a deadly swamp born virus. She develops a surprising bond with scientist Alec Holland, only to have him tragically taken from her. But as powerful forces descend on Horna, intent on exploiting the swamp's mysterious properties for their own purposes, Abby will discover that the swamp holds mystical secrets and the potential love of her life may not be dead after all. The production is currently underway for this Swamp Thing television slash streaming series for DC's branded streaming service. It will launch in 2019. I'm looking forward to it. I was never a Swamp Thing enthusiast fan. I, I've read a couple of issues here and there of the comic book series but never got too involved into it. It's an icon in horror culture. This is one of those instances that a film adaptation, in this case a series adaptation, is long overdue. With James Wan's popularity in horror cinema stemming from Saw all the way to the Conjuring series, it's no surprise that he would be dipping his hands his creative expertise via his production company atomic monster into creating this swamp thing television slash streaming series it'll be interesting i'm looking forward to it even though i haven't followed the series i'm open to see how the comic book to tv adaptation will unfold of course we've seen some a surgeons of graphic novels, television adaptations, currently in play with the most popular one of course being The Walking Dead. So this is a new medium in gaining horror content, getting, well this is a fresh idea, this is an original idea, it's long overdue for a live adaptation. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. 2019 is right around the corner. We don't have to wait that long. We're already in May. The year is going by fast. So, we should be seeing some cast updates, trailers, more information about this project as it's developing. So, do stay tuned to DK Mag. We'll, pro- we'll be providing that information once it becomes available online via the production team for this upcoming project.
0: Channel Zero fourth season.
1: Channel Zero is sci-fi's homage to the creepypasta, the popularity of the creepypasta stories that have popped up on the internet. These are stories that blend urban legends and many instances the urban legends are modernized with original slate of characters other stories include pop culture references such as for instance the notorious spongebob episode in which when viewers watch it i believe they die and SpongeBob and Squidward all look demented and crazy in their own way. There are also references to actual prime cases, and the writer goes into the fictional narratives and enhances these documents, these prime documents, and creates a story that is, at times, both spooky and just insane in its narrative context insane in the best way possible so sci-fi began this anthology television series back in 2016 and the first series was candle Pole. and if you ever checked it out if you haven't checked it out i definitely advise checking out that first season the second season well, was no end house and then we had butcher's block Now we have a fourth season titled Hidden Door. Now, before I delve into the nitty gritty on this next fourth season for for Channel Zero, I had reservations on the future for this series. Because sci-fi, as of late, they have been canceling series left and right many series didn't even make it into season two let alone season four for instance we had the popular blood drive that did not make it to season two we had 12 monkeys that uh, after popularity after a few seasons it just out of the blue it was canceled and there are other series that got canceled in very much the same fashion. So at the time, this was a few months ago, we spoke about channel zero and I said it would not make it past season three. And here we are season four and season four is based on the creepy pasta story hidden door written by Charlotte by water. And the overview for this next anthology chapter, the next chapter in the anthology series reads as follows, Jillian and Tom who have each brought secrets into their marriage. When they discover a strange door in their basement, those secrets start to threaten their relationship and their lives. We have a cast development. Casting is pretty much complete for this next 4th season for channel zero. We have actor Brandon Scott. He will star as Tom Hodgson, Julian's husband, a capable and thoughtful man who is deeply in love with his wife but he's troubled when secrets from their past threaten their marriage. Maria Sten will star as Julian Hope Hodgson, a landscape designer who has just married her childhood best friend. They've just moved into the house where he grew up, a house they hope to transform through their combined skill into their dream house. Also joining the cast is actor Steven Robertson, he will portray Ian. Tom and Julian's next-door neighbor, an open-minded psychology grad student who comes involved in Tom and Julian's bizarre experience with the mysterious door in their basement. Actor Steven Weber will recur as Abel Karnak, Julian's therapist. He has been listening to Julian's Long enough to know about her trust issues and where they stem from. His quiet, controlled, almost hard to read tone is sometimes infuriating for Julian, especially when she tries to talk to him about what or who was behind the door in the basement. And there you have it we have the cast already in place for this next series for channel zero the fourth season titled hidden door channel zero the dream door that is what this series would be titled uh it's interesting i'm i haven't caught up with season two neither season eight. yes i am guilty on that season one when i first Seen the first episode I couldn't stop watching it I had to binge watch the whole series on Netflix so I would be doing just the same with season two season three it is that type of series that you just want to consume in one sitting the commercials and waiting one week for the next episode can be nerve-wracking especially when the cliffhangers are put well into place One thing that I did appreciate for season 1 for channel 0 were the visuals and the creature effects, practical effects combined well with CGI effects. I am not a big CGI uh, aficionado but the practical effects did shine well and the CGI effects were only used as a touch-up for the makeup and costuming which should be handled in that fashion. So with that said, the storylines are original. These are coming from story writers online on the internet. Creepy past. I remember when this website first went up. It. I didn't know at the time that it was going to explode with such popularity, and it did. Sci-fi scene. The how much the content. Look, for example, Splend- Slender Man. He has morphed into video games and movies and series and fan films. This is ripe. Creepypasta is ripe for original content. And if you have original ideas of your own, just hop on over to the website and uh, contribute your narratives. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the fourth season for channel zero and i'll be watching season two and three but i'm still skeptical i'm going to hold on to my guns here and say this uh cancellation issue is a looming threat for this series and i'm gonna say it again if it doesn't make it past season four then Yeah, I was right on along. But I said it before, was it going to make it past season 3? It did. So I'm going to say it's not going to make it past season 4. Sci-fi has this issue of canceling good content because of the ratings. I haven't checked on the ratings for this season uh, before I composed this article. I want to keep it a surprise. I want to see. Because statistics can or cannot influence the future of a project. It depends on who's behind the project too. Yeah, maybe not. But let's see what happens. I'm hoping it will last more than four seasons. There's so much content on Creepy Pasta that needs to be put into the forefront as a live adaptation. And frankly, there's not enough horror par- anthology series out there. Uh, The most popular one being American Horror Story and I think that that series in itself is getting an overdue welcome and Channel Zero just has that vibe, it's so creepy and and has great atmosphere so he is looking forward to season 4.
0: Segment 4. Trailer First Impressions. Feral. How
1: you doing, city girl?
2: Say nothing, country girl.
1: I'm really glad you came. Yeah, me too.
2: So how did you two meet, anyway? At the rabbit hole. So what were you doing? on yeah, dumb. <laughs> Looking for cheap sex. And I found it. <laughs>
1: Kicking off the trailer first impressions segment is the upcoming film titled Feral. This film is directed by Mark Young. Mark Young also serves as co-writer alongside Adam Frazier. The synopsis for Feral reads as follows, Students fight to survive a weekend in the woods. according to INDB is scheduled to release on the 25th of May, 2018. This is a one hour, 30 minute action drama horror. Now watching the trailer for Feral, the first thing that comes into mind was the 2010 release directed by Josh Reed and written by Nigel Christensen. And Josh Reed also served as co-writer for that story. And the synopsis for Primal reads as follows. A group of friends travel into the Australian wilds to view ancient cave paintings. But soon find a horrible sickness gripping one of their own. Which leaves them with nothing in their mind but a primal bloodlust. Now, the synopsis to both films almost parallel each other. And if you watch the trailer for Primal and you watch the trailer for Feral, the visuals parallel each other to the point that you're watching almost the same film with different actors. Now, we all know that horror cinema is filled with Filmmakers trying to reinvigorate the genre. Look what happened with Jason and Michael Myers. They both became popular in their own right. But a filmmaker saw one concept created his own, but mind up both concepts being horror icons. But you can begin to question yourself. When does the hmm? Reverse engineering, I'm going to use that word, it's not pop. Reverse engineering, you take in a concept that's already there, and you change it, adding your own take on that vibe, and hopefully, wishing for the best, that it would in itself either surpass the content that you have reverse engineered, or becomes a horror icon in itself. But The question remains, how how much is it is too much? We've seen this many times over. Filmmakers reverse engineering another film, another concept, another icon. Usually the film, what is very rare, becomes a a good staple in horror cinema. And here we have Primal, here we have Feral. It's the same thing, different actors, much the synopsis the narrative the visuals is all the same do you do you describe this as reverse engineering or outright copying somebody else's work what is the borderline become a gray area and i enjoyed primal i think primal is well put together well done original because i when the release there was no other film that combined a viral infection film tied in with nature we always see that there is a science behind it a science experiment or government experiment here we take nature into the effect that it changes the, it brings us back to our primal state and we become these Bloodthirsty creatures. Pharaoh copies the same thing, emulates the same thing, reverse engineers the same thing, and here we have another film with the same concept. It does not entice me whatsoever. Nah. No, there's there's nothing here that would just pop out and say, wow, this is innovative, this is imaginative, this is outstanding work right here no if you're well aware of primal and you watch this film is hey you're watching the same i'd rather watch primal again than watch feral i'm i'm not giving this film a chance because frankly it's just there's nothing here to really set it apart if you got a reverse engineer a film, a source material, do so in a way that makes it much better. Do something different. Uh, there's nothing different here. And in terms with the acting, uh, uh, there's not enough material to really weigh an opinion in that area. It's just the narrative itself. And with that said, who had released the 25th of May 2018. Comes across our desk, we will be providing a film review for this upcoming infection themed film.
0: Lake Fear 3
2: They've been doing this for quite some time. It all started when I got sucked into their world. I got tired of fighting. Now they're following me.
1: I have never really followed the series for Lake Fear. Released in 2014, Lake Fear released under the original title Cypress Creek, and it was changed to Lake Fear. That was directed by michael crumb and it was from writer gerald Crum. fast forward into the future 2018 we have lake fear 3 which michael Crum returns as director and gerald crumb returns as writer the synopsis for lake fear 3 reads as follows follow revel as she looks for her missing sister Jordan. With her best friend Chloe, a misdirected weekend adventure that Jordan took a few years ago has led to her disappearance after she encountered an evil entity in a cabin in the woods. Revel and Chloe enlist the help of Vincent, a failed paranormal TV series host with the hopes of his talents leading to their success. Instead, they realize the evil unleashed a few years ago has become stronger and escaped the bounds of its original cabin in Lake Fear. They also encounter Remington, the original finder and fighter of the evil who gives them some very unwanted and dire news. With this group of mismatched personalities, win the fight or suffer the unknown fate as many others before the trailer has gore, has practical and special effects INDB listed as a comedy horror yet I don't see any comedy elements involved in the trailer it looks very intense given the visuals and the way the trailer was cut of course, it does present all the good stuff, all the violence and gruesome and gore that horror enthusiasts love. Lake Fear 2 had the title, the original title, The Everglades Hillings before it was changed to Lake Fear 2, The Swamp. That was released back in 2016 and it was directed by Ben Wilder with a writing team consisting of... Ashley Billington, Ben Wilder, Sean Theron, and Jesus Rodan. Now, As I stated, I am unfamiliar with this Lake Fear franchise, I have never seen any of these films and now this third installment looks to close out the trilogy series. Given that each film had an original title and then it was changed to Lake Fear. I'm uncertain if these all films tie together in some way, or just the distribution team figured, hey, let's put these films together one, into one basket. Part one and part three do relate to each other, they correlate each other, so I'm assuming that part two has nothing to do with the series. Again, making uh, taking a guess here. But Lake Fear does have that traditional vibe of the Cabin in the Woods and the evil forces on getting unleashed. We have seen this countless of times, but most popularly with Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead. Of course, back to my previous statement on reverse engineering. Where does it end? and where's that gray area when you reverse engineer a concept and it becomes outright just copying a previous concept. Not to say that Lake Fear is copying off of *Eat dead but it does follow that same road. The trailer I do appreciate the practical effects they did show some effects there but I am not in favor of those Glowing red CGI eyes. They look so tacky and corny. And frankly, yes, if you're gonna have a demon, they should have red glowing eyes. It's like a beacon, a, a, a calling beacon from an airplane or something like that. You have to know who's the good guys and the bad guys. The bad guys have the red glowing eyes. Well, there must be a group of enthusiasts out there a group of followers for this Lake Fear franchise because they wouldn't make it to part 3 if there weren't any in saying that I would have to wait to wait my opinion on this film the trailer just shows all the good shit and the practical effects looks decent the acting eh, I can't really weigh my opinion so much there is not enough footage to really say how if B movie style acting is evident in this film. Of course, this is a low budget production indie film. We may or may not expect that to happen, but at least have some good visual effects and a good storyline. Even if you reverse engineer another film, storyline, storyline, storyline is what carries the film. We're going to have to wait to see how this film materializes and once it's released we'll weigh in our painting with a full review, so stay tuned for that. Thank you for tuning in to DK Mag Podcast Season 7 Episode 8. In which we feature an exclusive interview with Jimmy Dempster discussing his upcoming film scheduled to hit film festival circuit in 2018 titled The Box. My name is Kent Artuz, I was your host and I'm also the founder for DK Mag. Do visit DK Mag across social networking platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, At DKMAG, D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G. And of course, our podcasts are available on Google Music, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Home. If you have a Google Home device, simply say, OK, Google Play DKMAG Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Do visit our website for the latest film reviews and film news on the indie scene mainstream where we give focus on the upcoming projects in the works projects new releases trailers trailer first impressions do stop by we appreciate the visits thank you for listening